You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for take two of The Darkest Hour, or Darkest Hour, I don't know if it's The Darkest Hour, uh, the Winston Churchill biopic, which I covered solo uh, a couple of months ago when it first came out, and now I'm here to get a second opinion uh, from somebody who also gave us a second opinion on Dunkirk, and uh, there's just a lot of second opinions going around right now. We're covering all the Best Picture nominees, and this is number three for us, Darkest Hour, directed by Joe Wright, starring the great Gary Oldman. Uh, my name is Colin, and stop interrupting me while I'm interrupting you. And my name is Ben, and the bloody cat's under the bed again. <laughs> I, think, I don't remember that from the movie, but it's a great line. <laughs> I, th- I think I don't know if he said bloody, but it, something about um, the cat was under the bed. Um, but if that's not an exact line, um, up your bum. Uh, there we go. We'll go with that one. <laughs> can, can we just start by saying that within three lines that we mentioned that may or may not have been this in the movie, we already have three lines funnier than what we had in Black Panther? Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm sh- <laughs> we're going to have some fun covering this one, I think. I laughed more uh, in uh, in the darkest hour, <laughs> darkest hour than I did in Black Panther. So there you go. <laughs> well, I'm interested to get your opinion on this one because I know we, we both talked about this one a lot when it was coming out. Um, I saw it right away. You didn't um, – you've finally gotten around to this. I already gave my opinion, so I'll kind of let you start off. Uh, just uh, brief opinions. What did you think of Darkest Hour? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I mean, this was kind of one of the ones that I would have liked to have seen, whether or not we were doing this or not. Uh, a lot of that has to do with I love Gary Oldman because I have a pulse and that's normal to do. <laughs> um, also, uh, I, I, I generally like sort of bio films, um, you know, on historical figures. Um, and I'll be absolutely honest with you. I don't know a whole lot about Winston Churchill. So, I mean, I know who he is. I know kind of what he did. It's something that I didn't really learn a whole lot about in school. So, um, you know, I always find these sort of things fascinating when I kind of can learn about things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact that we kind of watch this one directly after Dunkirk because I almost feel like this is like a Dunkirk cinematic universe or something like this or something mm-hmm. like that because, you know, it's pretty much like happening, uh, like you mentioned, that sort of similar times to, to Dunkirk and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed this film. I mean, Gary Oldman, I mean, words can just not express how amazing he is in this movie. I mean, he's amazing in every single role. We talked about this, I think, last uh, episode about how the hell is he coming into this is only his second ever nomination. Um, so yeah, I mean, if he doesn't win this Oscar, I mean, Jesus Christ, hashtag Oscar's so blind. Um, just what a, what an amazing performance and yeah, great film. And I remember thinking that back with Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I think it was in 2011. I'm like, there's no way that he can lose this. And somehow he did. So, I mean, I've been let down once, but it, it feels like this is the year that's the lock for Gary Oldman. Like, there's there's always one or two categories where there's really no competition. I mean, even if we look at, we'll talk about, you know, the, the best picture chances of this later. But if you look at the uh, the other competition that, you know, Gary Oldman has for best actor, I mean, is the, is this even really a contest? Daniel Kalu has gotten a lot of attention for Get Out, but it's not nearly on the level of Gary Oldman. And really, the only other one that's you know potential uh, to steal would be Daniel Day Lewis, just because he's kind of announced this his final movie. But like, no, nothing compares to this. And I said this in my original review that I'm not really a fan of impression performances. Somebody just plays a famous person, and everybody says give them the award because they did such a great impression. But there's so much more to his character in this, and I think you know. Uh, 
focusing on just a what is it like a four to five week period here of the, the beginning of his career as prime minister was such a smart idea. So it doesn't feel like just this massive biopic, you know, following his entire life like The Aviator. Uh, it's very focused and also I mean, so much humor. I mean, we're, we're really getting a Winston Churchill. Everybody knows, even if you said you don't know a lot about Winston Churchill, guaranteed you've heard some of his speeches before. I mean, he's probably the most famous public speaker of all time. He's such a famous character. And yet Gary Oldman, I think, brought something different to this character that we didn't expect and a lot of that's like in the early scenes of the movie where he's waking up and he's kind of just a slob getting out of bed and he's a jerk and you know you can't understand a word he's saying like they play up on a lot of those stereotypes but it's it's a fun character which i didn't expect to get out of this movie yeah and you're exactly right there's just so much to him that you know i mean of course you've heard of speeches i've heard of what he's done and you know how great he was and all this sort of stuff but um you know, this is what I like about these types of films is to kind of see this different side of them. And, you know, I'm always watching a type of film like this going like, you know, how much of this accurate, you know, is obviously hearsay, you know, is this a, an official biography that someone's basis on or things like this, you know. But, I mean, it, it's just entertaining. And what I always appreciate about roles like this, which, you know, are always like Oscar bait, obviously. But, I mean, you know, when a character completely immerses themselves in a role and for pretty much all of this movie you don't even realize it's gary oldman i mean it, it's it's winston churchill yeah. like the prosthetics and just everything about it um and i mean like some of the other ones that you know i've enjoyed in the last few years that you know have, have gone on i mean you know i wasn't a fan of lincoln um but i mean you know daniel day lewis looked the part you got to at least give him that i guess um mm-hmm. i mean i i did enjoy meryl streep uh in the what was it um iron lady iron lady yeah, yeah. and i mean obviously the other one helen mirren i mean you know the queen was very much that very accurate i think she looked the part and everything was great about that i know you weren't a fan of um oh the theory of everything wasn't it that's the stephen hawking one oh. with eddie redman and yeah. I, you know i enjoyed it but you know anyway that's another story but i think out of all those ones kind of in the last you know 10 or so years i mean this one hands down the best um and just just mannerisms and just the way it is like you, you legitimately seriously forget this is Gary Oldman. I mean, he's just, he's mm-hmm. that good of an actor anyway. He's usually this good in any role he's in. But, uh, I mean, yeah, this is kind of like a, a lifetime achievement award. Like you kind of talked a bit about yesterday. I mean, this is yeah. deserving. This isn't, I don't think this is going to be one that's like a Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, oh, he only got it because he got nominated so many times. Like he deserves it for this role. So, yeah. 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 Like, there have been, we've talked about this on other episodes, even before we started covering these best picture nominees. There are these situations where somebody wins, you know, an acting award and it's just it's either the lifetime achievement like kind of with Leonardo DiCaprio, even though personally I would say the Revenant's up there among his best performances. Uh, but you also get the makeup Oscar, you know, like what, in my opinion, at least. I mean, a lot of people disagree, but I think when Denzel Washington won for Training Day, they were giving him the award because they didn't give it to him for the hurricane a few years earlier. And the same could be said for Russell Crowe, like. In what world is Russell Crowe in Gladiator, an Academy Award nominated? I mean, that's basically a Steven Seagal role <laughs> in Sandals. And here he wins it. But, of course, he missed out on The Insider like the year prior to that. So there's always those makeup Oscars. And I think you can make a case for both of those with Gary Oldman that this would be kind of like the lifetime achievement like DiCaprio or the makeup from not winning for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. But at the same time, I, I've, I walked out of this movie feeling like this is the role Gary Oldman will always be remembered for. And I think that's what sets it apart is that, yeah, he's long overdue, but this is probably like 10, 15, 20 years from now when I look back on Gary Oldman, even though I'm probably a bigger fan of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I'm going to remember what he did as Winston Churchill. And the crazy thing about that is that 
it is one of the best of these impression performances you've ever seen because you do completely lose. I talked about in my original review that there were sections of this movie where all of a sudden I would just catch a mannerism and be like, oh, wait, this is Gary Oldman. I forgot about that. Like you forget people say that all the time, but you legitimately forget you're watching Gary Oldman for sections of this movie. And then it's almost like disjarring when you suddenly realize, wait, Gary Oldman's on screen here. I, I forgot he was in this movie. What am I watching? And the incredible thing I always find about this was when he got nominated for Tinker Ta- Taylor Soldier Spy, the fact that, that was his very first, you know, nomination. Yeah. And- and, like, he's just one of those actors that you just assume wins awards all the time. Um, and there's all these lists of, you know, best actors who have never won an Oscar. I mean, it's, and then when you see these other ones, it's like best actors who have never even been nominated for an Oscar. You know, like mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon. Come on. Like, I mean, I know that sounds a bit like, you know, whatever. But seriously, he has had some great films and should have at least picked up a nomination or two. Um, you know, and there are some other actors, you know, I mean... I'm a Jim Carrey defender. I think you are too. And still robbed to this day for the Truman show. Um, and at least, you know, I wasn't eternal sunshine of a spotless mind fan, but I mean, you know, he probably deserved one for that. And anyway, this whole thing, but the fact that he, this is only his second nomination. Uh, and like, it's interesting when you say like, he'll probably remember this. And I probably agree with you. I mean, but this is still Gary Oldman. This guy has played how many iconic roles, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's always going to be known as, um, Oh, see, he's always going to be known as that guy from Harry, Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, no, we got like Lee Harvey Oswald. You got um, uh, True Romance. Um, uh, Batman Begins. What are some of the? Uh, yeah, Batman Begins. Yeah, I mean, even um, Air Force One. I joke about that, but I mean, you know, that was still a pretty iconic villain in that film, Lost in Space. I mean, I'm naming all like the more blockbustery ones, but uh, I obviously know him from uh, what Leon the Professional, Natalie Portman's first movie. He was great in that. I mean, God, so many. Oh, uh, when he played Beethoven, Immortal Beloved, that was amazing. And he was, wasn't he Dracula in a movie? He was, yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula too. Yep, yep. I mean, he was used to playing villains for a very long time, but um, yeah, it's it's just he's just such. Yeah, one of these actors that you just assume always wins awards. And when we were talking about Meryl Streep the other day and Tom Hanks, you know, that, that just comes with the territory. Um, but, you know, I put Gary Oldman in the same category as both of them in terms of their acting ability. So the fact that, you know, this is only yeah. his uh, second nomination, uh, which will bring his first win. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably just jinx him by saying that. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of weird to think that. Yeah, I mean, outside of Gary Oldman, uh, I, I mentioned this on the original review as well. There's so many really small performances, but and we're going to say this with almost every movie we're covering here, but just because it seems like everything's just about big stars, but then you have like these small supporting roles. But like, how great is it to see Kristen Scott Thomas in a movie again and in a significant role? Which I I, I don't think that you know there's been enough praise for what she brought to this movie. You know, Ben Mendelsohn's another one. He's obviously a great Australian actor. He's getting more attention because of Star Wars, but, I mean, he's been around for years. Uh, Stephen Delane, I mean, the the movie has such a great cast, and it's almost sad that Gary Oldman's gotten as much attention as he had because nobody else is even mentioned as being in this movie, and yet if you had added a couple extra scenes, it would have been unusual to, you know, have Kristen Scott Thomas get a Best Supporting Actress nomination. I just feel like maybe every role in this movie is just too small to really stand out other than other than for Gary Oldman. And the one that I was a fan of too, uh, I don't know if you've actually seen Baby Driver yet, but um, Lily James, uh, who was great, oh, yeah. in, was great in Baby Driver and, uh, you know, her in this as well. So, um, and that's, yeah, like everyone in this movie is great. Um, I mean, Noah would have hated this, all the snooty British people, let's be honest. Yeah. But, um, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the voice acting of, uh, Dave, David Stratham as, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt was also fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. It's, 
And it, but it is kind of still one of these one man vehicles in a way, though, isn't it? You know, because I mean, it's like yeah. Iron Lady. I mean, I thought everyone was great in that film in terms of the acting abilities and that. But I mean, that was just a Meryl Streep vehicle. You know, the Queen again. There was a the guy who played um, Tony Blair in that. He's played Tony Blair in about three different movies. I think he's like oh, uh, Michael Shannon. Yeah, yeah. He he's brilliant. He just he looks and sounds so much like Tony Blair. I think he might have won a Golden Globe or an Emmy for the special relationship with um Dennis Quaid. I don't know if you have ever seen that. It's really good. Um, yeah, it's it's not Michael Shannon though. I'm trying to remember. It's it's the other Michael. Um, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Yes, one of the Michaels. <laughs> I just say yeah. yes because I actually can't remember there's his name. Chris, there's the Chris's <laughs> and the Michaels. Those yes. are the two things that you use on. Yes, yes, but um, yeah, but I mean, when you've got obviously just such good performance in the front, I mean, he's always going to overshadow it. But I mean, it's, this is why obviously it, it ends up getting the best picture nomination because you know it's it is a really good film with really good performances, and it, I think you summed it up well when you said was it yesterday or the day before about how this kind of did what Lincoln couldn't do, and um, yeah, you know, tell a. An, in- an interesting and entertaining story about, you know, a famous person and not put you to sleep. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I thought, like, Joe Wright deserved a lot of credit for. I mean, I also said this in my original review, but, like, I'm not a fan of Joe Wright, but I'm not really supposed to be. I mean, this is the man who made uh, Pride and Prejudice and Atonement and Anna Karenina. I mean, he's really stepping outside of uh, you know, his box here to do this movie, this, like, very political movie. But it was also just... What he brought to this was how cinematic the movie was. And this could have very easily just been like a stage play. And there's a lot of movies like that. Just it has that stage play feel. Huge chunks of this movie are just Gary Oldman sitting in a war room or Gary Oldman sitting in a bed or stuff like that. And yet he, Joe Wright filmed this in a way where it felt big. And the music, I think, is the – there's the, the biggest Robbie like of when all the Oscar nominations came out. The one thing that I was most upset about was this didn't get a Best Original Score nomination because I'd go out there to say this is probably one of the best uh, movie scores I've heard maybe within the last decade. Like it was phenomenal and it added so much to the movie and made it feel so much bigger. So it didn't feel like you were just watching a boring stage play of you know Winston Churchill. And that's like the biggest snub of the entire awards. And I hate when people say snubs because then you have to say, well, then take something else out. But like. I would take everything out and put the score in for this movie. Like, it was so good and it added so much to the movie. Well, I mean, we went over that, didn't we, with The Last Jedi, how uh, that got yeah. a nomination. So- um, yeah, I mean, I agree, definitely. Uh, the the score really does add to it. And, and this is kind of, I think, on the same level, just the overall feel and the score, I think, works the same way, like in Dunkirk, what we were talking about, um, mm-hmm. that it just adds to it and it adds that sense of, you know, dramatic nature to the film and i think kind of these you know judge jokes aside about making a cinematic universe they work so well too and again that what i was saying about dunkirk that it kind of adds a different way of looking at a war film like so does this because it's i i just like this backroom dealing and kind of seeing what's happening from this perspective mm-hmm. and you kind of get a bit of a glimmer a bit of a glimpse of you know a bit of a battlefield here and there there was that like really great shot of um and it took me a while to kind of notice what i was even looking at when you notice it's a dead body like with the bloodshot eye uh, the way that, mm. like, really close in zoom on the face. Um, and it's, it's just effective. Um, and it just, yeah, I think just the way the music played into all those scenes and the way it was edited too, just, you know, just really worked fantastically. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, as, as of recording this, I'm still yet to see, uh, Phantom Thread Shape of Water or Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. 
Uh, I have seen The Last Jedi, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm with you, I wasn't the big, I mean, I listened to the soundtrack for The Last Jedi once, and that was enough for me, so, um, yeah, I, I, I would rather this one, I think this one definitely deserves it over The Last Jedi. Uh, there's one scene I want to talk about here, we can't really give away a lot of spoilers, but the only part that I feel like it almost took me out of the movie a little bit, it's actually one of the best scenes of the movie, but it, it, it's so, so felt like this is the fictionalized climax you need for the movie, which is the scene that happens on the train very late in the movie. And I get why it was in the movie. And in, it was it was a really good scene. Like, it was it, one of the most enjoyable scenes in the movie to watch. But it just felt so, like, Hollywood scripted ending as if we don't really have an appropriate way of tying up this movie that it was maybe just a little bit too far-fetched for me. Um, and, and I maybe, you know, there's some history book where Churchill really did this. He really went riding on a train somewhere. But... Uh, that if I had one complaint about the movie, it would just be that that scene did it didn't feel like it fit with the rest of the movie. It was the rest of the movie felt very real. Yeah, I, I mean, I was thinking about that too because I mean, as I just said, I know nothing really about Winston Churchill outside of the you know the most historically famous things. But I, I wasn't aware if this was maybe based off a true thing that happened. I mean, I like the idea of it, um, but again, like yeah. if this was like a fictionalized you know, Prime Minister or something like that, you know, this was, uh, you know, President Whitmore on Independence Day or something like that, like, you know, fine. But, like, the given that this is based on a historical, you know, figure, one of the greatest, you know, leaders in, in modern history, um, I was thinking that too. So, I would be intrigued if that is legitimate, because, I mean, if that's, that's based on real life, I mean, that's, that's kind of incredible um, that he actually yeah. did that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a... It was a I don't know if I was maybe as down like a Hollywood here, but it, it was just an interesting way of doing it. I'm the whole time just literally thinking like, is this real? Did this really happen? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and the one thing I think I really want to praise more than anything is that you, you have this iconic character um, that is known for his public speaking abilities. And this movie spends so much time really showing you how, how much of a struggle it was for him to form sentences half the time. And that, you know, he was scripted and it would just be lock him away in a room for hours with somebody else so he can come up with like 30 seconds, you know, uh, worth of uh, a speech. Uh, and, and again, it's just things like that that really played against the type of what you expect out of Winston Churchill. It was so good. Um, so, I mean, there was so much, I could go on about this movie for like an hour. I, it, I mentioned this at the end of the, uh, the last episode we did that this is the one movie I've seen so far that the more time passes, the more it really sticks with me and the, the, the more I appreciate it. Um, so I, I'm not changing my review at all. I'm going to stick by this is a buy it for me, but, uh, would you buy it, rent it, bin it? I'll buy it for sure. I mean, I would gladly watch this film again. Um, and I mean, I got up at six o'clock in the morning to watch this film to make sure that I could uh, watch it in time. And not once did I feel like I wanted to go to sleep or like I was, I was, you know, I was intrigued the whole time. Um, and one thing I just wanted to quickly add just, um, which I, one part of the, the film that I really enjoyed was the relationship between, uh, Churchill and King George. Like I just kind of liked how that sort of started off the way it did and then the way it sort of ended. And, yeah. um, with, uh, how do you say his last name? Mendelssohn? I, I actually. Mendelssohn, yeah. I mean, I know he's Australian, but I'm looking here. I, I mean, I know he was in Rogue One and, uh, Dark Knight, so I kind oh, of know his face. Didn't know he was Australian. There you go. Um, so, actually, the TV, let's see, was he in Home and Away or Neighbours? Okay, he was in Neighbours. Yep, alright. <laughs> he's both. a. Both! Wow. Was he in both, was he? 
Um, well, you just said home and away and neighbors. Oh no, I said was he in home and away or neighbors? Oh, okay. you're just you have yeah. to assume he's in one always. Of the two. Oh, an Australian actor has always been in at least one. So, and he was <laughs> in like Blue Healers or something. I was in Halifax FP. That's close enough. Good guys, bad guys. Oh my god, I remember that show. Um, anyway. But, uh, you know, I, I just, that was just a little thing I really liked, kind of just the way that sort of developed across the way. And the thing, too, that was really interesting with uh, the character is that you kind of forgot he was the king. Like, it was just kind of yeah. a very relaxed role. Like, you know, I remember um, on The Queen, like, you know, when you've got that scene of Tony Blair meeting the queen for the first time, and they're kind of, you know, like, you must not do this, you must not do that, do this, do that. And he just kind of, like, walks in the room and it's like, hey, hello. <laughs> so And I, he was also playing a character that has been a Best Picture winner recently with The King's Speech. I mean, we saw Colin Firth play the same character, obviously, at an earlier period. But it was clever the way that they, you know, made this a different character. They didn't make it distracting because of people all seeing The King's Speech. But there was one or two moments in this where they they referenced, like, the speech impediment. And maybe he had, like, a, a stutter on one of the words or something. Where it's just, it's just, if you know a little bit about history... You look at that and you're like, oh, that's clever. They, they worked this little thing in there that maybe 16 people in the audience are going to get. And I will be honest, I've never seen the King's Speech. I saw Colin Firth live when I was in the uh, audience of David Letterman and he was promoting the King's Speech. Uh, ah. so that's about as close as I, I mean, I was like four rows behind, well, in front of Colin Firth. So I've breathed the same air as him. Um, oh, but, Jamie would love that. <laughs> uh, and Jerry Seinfeld was on the same show too. If I was there a day earlier, I would have seen Natalie Portman. But, uh. That's disgusting. No, it's not. I was nearly hung myself for that. Um, but, uh, and funnily enough, when I was in, uh, Los Angeles and I, I got to do a Warner tour, if I was there a day earlier, uh, cause Ellen wasn't filming the day I was there, so I got to walk on the Ellen set. If I was there a day earlier, I would have seen Madonna. But, uh, you know, life hated me That's when I was in America. Disgusting. Uh, but we're not yeah. here to talk about that. Um, I didn't remember what you said. The King's Speech, yes, no, never seen it. <laughs> Uh, but I would buy so it. I didn't go have... back. That was the initial question. Good. <laughs> Double buy then. Um, so quickly, just covering its chances here. I didn't actually get the uh, the link for the Vegas odds, but uh, from everything I've read, Darkest Hour is pretty much at the bottom right now for uh, expectations for the, or the, the chance of winning Best Picture. Is that right? Yeah. From what I'm looking at here, it is equal bottom with Phantom Thread uh, as <laughs> chances, but. I think really the this one's just only being discussed, isn't it, for for best actor? I mean, how many nominations? It's got what six nominations, doesn't it? In the Oscars. Yeah. Um, it has best picture, best actor, best production design, cinematography, makeup and hair, which I think is probably a lock for makeup and hair, mm-hmm. and then costume design. Oh, I don't know, uh, Victoria and Abdul. Uh, I mean, you know, they they made Judy Dench look good with the long hair, so um, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, or Wonder, I guess, a lot of great makeup and hairstyling films out there this year. I don't even know what Wonder is. What is that? Uh- <laughs> That's oh. the one about the kid. i got to delicate the way I say this. The kid with the distorted face. What would be the proper way of saying that? Uh, well, is that Owen Wilson? Oh, no, there's a kid in it, right? Sorry, I just saw the movie poster. And yeah. I thought you were saying Owen Wilson had yeah. a distorted face. <laughs> he kind of does. But- Q, is, Q is playing a wow clip right now. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, this isn't going to win Best Picture, but I got to be honest, like, when I did my original review, this was sort of during the, as I was calling it, the Oscar bait season, and uh, I said, like, 
it, it would be great if it gets Best Picture nomination. And I kind of saw that the potential would have been like, oh, it'll be one of like the nominees, which really is what it is. But I was happy to see it get six nominations in total. And uh, you know, this one, it, it, as far as our rankings go, I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like once I've finished all the other movies. There's still a couple of the ones that I'm most excited about to see, but. I would put this maybe just behind Dunkirk uh, of the the three that we've covered so far, uh, which is pretty strong for it. I mean, I, I I think this movie a month and a half ago when I covered it, I may have you know said, oh, it's right on level with the post. But I mean, it's going up for me definitely. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, and I was going to ask you like, do you think this deserved to get more nominations than the post, which it did? And obviously, I think I have your answer there. Um, yeah, I'd probably agree with the rankings. I'd probably say the same. Um, I mean, Dunkirk's still number one for me out of these three, but I mean, it is a tough call because I really did enjoy the post. But um, if I'm thinking of a film that I would rather watch again, um, like straight away right now, I uh, probably would put the Dark Sour on, but I'd still watch the post afterwards. It would be a it would be a double feature night. But um, yeah, I'll put this at second currently on our on our three movie rankings. And we're technically done our three historical films now because of the nine Best Picture nominations, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, and The Post are the the true stories about you know history and everything. And from this point on, I think it's mostly the fictional films. Um, yeah, I have that right. So uh, what's up next, Ben? Um, we've well, done historical. We've done Winston Churchill, Dunkirk, uh, Ben Bradley, um, Meryl Streep. <laughs> What do we have next? Well, I think it's time for me to take control and do a film about a teenage girl. What do you reckon? Um, <laughs> why not? I made Colin choke. There we go. Um, Lady Bird. Uh, which, yeah. I mean, I've just watched. Uh, I, I did not know really anything about this film, if I'm completely honest. Uh, so I kind of went in it completely blind. I don't even think I read a, a synopsis or anything about it, uh, which, you know, it's an interesting experience going into a film. Because I generally feel if you're going to watch a movie, you know a little bit about it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting film. It's it's, it's very different to the three that we've covered. Um, and, you know, I mean, this is a movie that I generally probably wouldn't go out of my way to see if I wasn't doing something like this. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a fascinating episode to talk about because I definitely think it was... Uh, you know, it was an interesting film. It was enjoyable in parts. It was, you know, it was just a, it's, it's a unique film that I feel we'll have a bit to talk about. Um, the thing that most interested me in this movie, and I saw it a couple of days ago, but I always, I guess I was anxious to see this because this has the distinction of being, I guess, the best reviewed movie, uh, in Rotten Tomatoes history. Um, which it surpassed, I guess, a 20 year record that Toy Story 2 had had or something like that. So I, I just sort of had this expectation, like, this would be this amazing movie. And I, I don't know, I, I think I'm going to have to bring Jamie's, not Jamie on the episode, because she Aww. can't be bothered to talk. But um, I'm going to need to bring her opinion on this as well, because sometimes we do have these movies where maybe we're not the target audience. Uh, and it's interesting to to at least have seen the different opinions she had for me for this. But overall, it was a decent movie. I mean, we're going to bring an interesting perspective from, you know, Two men in their thirties uh, talking about a teenage girl coming of age film. Yes, uh, very much. You know, just like when we talked about the issues around Black Panther, uh, I feel that uh, we're well suited to talk about the issues related to Lady Bird. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's coming up next tomorrow. Uh, that will put us on day four. We're on track to finish all these Best Picture uh, nominated movies by the time the Academy Awards come up, and we'll give you our ranking so that. 
afterwards, everybody can know how wrong the Oscars were and how right we were. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure Lady Bird's going to be right at the top of the rankings here for Ben. So uh, that's coming up in 24 hours. Uh, my name is Colin, and... <laughs> that's my favorite quote of the movie. Uh, my name is, <laughs> is Ben, and... Oh, not that time. I'm having a nap. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>